Amen. I am continuing the First Thessalonians sermon series this morning. Um, beginning on Wednesday of this past week, I started announcing what my text was, and I encouraged parents especially of middle school and younger age children to read ahead in that text, and I hope that you have done that. I want to say this morning that this morning's text is extremely sensitive in nature. However, it is one that is extremely applicable to the day and age that we live in this morning. And I'm going to do my very, very best to be faithful to God's Word as I preach it this morning. As I said, we're uh, continuing the First Thessalonians Sermon Series. If you were here last Sunday morning, you know, I asked the question during the sermon, Will you stand? And I gave an analogy during that sermon of the miracle of a child's birth. And as miraculous as that is, when you hold that child in your arms for the first time, that child does not already know how to walk, does it? In fact, it must first learn how to stand before it can walk. And we talked about the fact that Paul served as the spiritual dad, the spiritual father to this church in Thessalonica. But today we're going to be going past the concept of standing. We're going to be talking about walking today. Again, I'm going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. Now, if you look at the writings of Paul, it becomes really obvious that he likes to use examples of walking. And when you think about that, it really makes a lot of sense that Paul would do that. Because when you think about the people that Paul was writing to, what was their primary mode of transportation? Typically, for most of those people, they walked where they went. So when Paul gave an analogy or an example of walking, they could immediately associate with what he's talking about. I want to just give three quick examples to start with from some of Paul's writings of where he talks about walking. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 4.17, now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. And then Ephesians 5.8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now I want to challenge you this morning. I, I, I would like to challenge you to commit that entire verse to memory. Ephesians 5.8. But if you think that's too much for me to remember, I want to challenge you to focus on the last part of that particular verse. Walk as children of light. I want to just reemphasize one thing that I said last Sunday. We can never forget that the enemy is constantly at work. The enemy is constantly at work. I need you guys to focus this morning. Be engaged, please, as I preach this morning. This is a tough text to preach, and I need to know that you're with me. So let me see your eyes this morning as I preach. The enemy wants you to be in darkness, and he will do whatever he can to pull you there. And once you're there, it's easy to stay there. But I want you to hear me loud and clear at the beginning this morning. It is not the will of Jesus Christ for you to do anything in darkness. He does not want you 
in darkness. Jesus Christ doesn't, but the enemy wants you there. Now, the Christian life is definitely a step of faith, but it's not just one step, is it? That step must lead to a walk of faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 5-7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. So much of the world today wants to walk by sight, not by faith. But that is not what the Lord's Word tells us. We are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Now I want to ask you a question. When we are walking, if we are physically walking, do we generally stay in the same place? We don't, do we? Unless we are walking on a treadmill or something like that. When we walk, we are not staying in the same place. The very concept of walking indicates that some progress is being made. It's the same way with our Christian walk. Progress should constantly be made. You've heard me say many times before, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you are struggling with, Jesus will meet you where you are. But don't expect Him to leave you there. That is not His desire for you. He intends for progress to be made in your Christian walk. Take a look at Philippians 3, 13 through 16. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. So I want to, before we get into today's text, I want to revisit one more time. Jesus does not want you in darkness. Jesus does not want any part of you in darkness. Take a look at 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now I want to say one thing and then we are jumping into our text for today. Perhaps some of you this morning have read ahead and you know exactly what the text is. Perhaps some of you know that you are walking in darkness this very second. It would be easy, easy for the enemy to get you in such a place where you think there is absolutely no hope for you. That you have messed up so bad that there would be no way that Jesus Christ could forgive you. I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. That's a tactic of the enemy. There is nothing that you could have done, that Jesus Christ will not forgive. Nothing. 
And that is good news this morning. If that blood of Jesus covers you, it truly cleanses you from all sin. So you have not gone too far to be forgiven. But we're going to talk here in just a few minutes. You've got to desire that forgiveness. You have got to truly desire that forgiveness. When we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we see that Paul relays to us three things. Number one, we're expected to walk in holiness. Number two, we are expected to walk in harmony. And number three, we are expected to walk in honesty. And I want to be sure that you caught this this morning. These three things are expectations of a Christian. Expectations. They're not not up for debate. They are not optional. They are expectations. The first eight verses this morning, we're only going to be covering point number one. We are expected to walk in holiness. Verses one through eight, again, are focusing on holiness. Verse 1 begins with the word finally. And I want to talk about that word for just a moment. Because many times when we are reading Scripture, as soon as we see the word finally, we think the conclusion is coming. Well, that's not how this word is being used in this particular text. When this word is used here, it suggests a transition. Paul is getting ready to tell them what he's got on his mind to say. And did he ever have some things on his mind to say? First of all, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. So when we look at this particular verse, Paul is affirming, Hey, church, you heard me. You heard me and you are doing exactly what I said. Good job, but keep on. Keep on. Do not let your guard down. So you might be wondering, so why was it important if this church was doing exactly what Paul had told them to do? Why was it important for him to, first of all, tell them that they were doing it? And to encourage them to keep on, to tell them what the expectations were. It's because the world's an evil place. Our world is an evil place. There are so many people today in our world who will tell you that they are a Christian. And they, unfortunately, will give you advice that is anything but godly. Maybe... When we're thinking about today's text, about living a pure and holy life, particularly in the, in the arena of sexuality, perhaps people will tell you today, if it, if it feels good, just go ahead and do it. What, what could it hurt? What could it hurt? Maybe you hear people say something like, look how many other people are doing that. Do you, do you think they all could be wrong? Do you not realize that times have changed? Or maybe you hear something like, do you not think that God wants me to be happy? Do you not think that God wants me to be happy? Hear me loud and clear, church. 
God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be holy. And that may not equate to happiness in the eyes of the world. He wants you to be holy. Not only does He want you to be holy, He expects you to be holy. You must know what the Bible says. You must care what the Bible says. You must live your life in accordance with Scripture. And if you should find yourself getting to the place where you're comfortable with sin remaining in your life. Folks, you're not just in danger of being deceived by the enemy. He's already deceived you. He has already deceived you. It is never okay to live with unconfessed sin in your life. You can't be comfortable living with that. Now verses 2 and 3. From the very beginning, Paul had given them very clear expectations of how they were supposed to live. Had you ever been in a conversation with somebody and it just seems like the answer of choice is, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. Well, from the very beginning, Paul had given them clear expectations that they were to live holy lives. None of them could claim ignorance. And guess what, church? Neither can we. We cannot claim ignorance. As our Lord and Savior... Jesus has the right to tell us how to live. And he expects us to obey him. Now this this text is definitely applicable to today. We're living in a time where the authority of the word of God is being questioned. Many times the authority of the word of God is not being taken seriously. Now I want to challenge you today. That you have always got to make a clear distinction between what the Word of God says and human opinion. Because guess what? If your opinion contradicts the Word of God, your opinion means nothing. It doesn't matter how you see it. If your opinion contradicts the Word of God, you are wrong. Your opinion is wrong. We are called To live holy lives. Look at verse 3. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you abstain. From sexual. Immorality. Do you ever. Have a conversation with people. And say. Hey how can I pray for you. A common response is just pray for God's will. To be done in my life. And normally, that is a wonderful prayer request for somebody to ask to be prayed for. But when we are talking about sexual immorality, we don't have to ask what God's will is in that area. He makes it clear. We are supposed to abstain from all forms of sexual immorality. All forms of sexual immorality. It is never okay to have sex with anyone other than your spouse. Never. It is never okay to use any form of pornography. Never. And that's just two examples. One of the specifics of God's will is that His followers participate in the process of sanctification. Being set apart... We are not supposed to look like the world. We are supposed to be different. 
Do we have that desire this morning to be different, to truly stand apart from the world? Now in verse 4, Paul is telling them that they must know how to control their own body in holiness and honor. Yes, he's talking about self-control, but he is specifically talking about self-control in regard to sexual morality or immorality. So many times it is so easy just to give excuses. Well, Brother Todd, don't you know that's just what men do? No, it is not. It is not just what men do. That is nothing but an excuse. It's nothing but an excuse. Perhaps you would be surprised to know some conversations I have had over the last 20 years or so when I have addressed sexual sin in the life of somebody. Many times they try to pull God into it as if somehow it was his idea. Folks, I'm going to tell you that is foolishness. Absolute foolishness. God will never send you another man's wife or another woman's husband. Ever. Ever. Do not try to pull God into the equation of sexual immorality. Remember, he has absolutely nothing to do with darkness. Nothing to do with darkness. And I want to be sure that you see that Paul is drawing the conclusion here regarding people who do not exercise self-control. He is comparing them to the Gentiles. What he's really comparing them to in this example, he's comparing them to unbelievers. He is comparing them to unbelievers. It's a serious thing. Do you want to exercise self-control in your life? Are you willing to do your part in whatever it takes to be sure that you can claim victory in that area. It may call for some serious things. It probably will cause you to have to confess to someone who you are close to. First of all, you're going to have to confess to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, but you're probably going to need somebody to hold you accountable. Yeah, it's embarrassing, but are you willing to do it? I will tell you, it is worth it. And then Paul, over and above all of this, he starts to describe to them the motivation for living a sexually pure life. First of all, at the top of the list, he reminds them that the Lord is an avenger in all these things. An avenger. Paul is telling these people that there is a day of judgment coming and the Lord is going to punish sexual sin, period. He is going to punish it. And he is telling these people that that judgment day is coming is certain. And I'm telling you this morning, it's certain. It is way more certain than whether or not you'll wake up on this earth tomorrow. It is certain. It is coming The Lord is not pleased with that. These people have been warned. And so have we. We have been warned. And perhaps this morning you're hearing this and you're thinking, 
Are you just telling us your opinion? No, I'm not. I'm not. Look at verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. If you're a Christian, He has called you to holiness, period. He is not satisfied with darkness. And then verse 8. Therefore, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. And I'm going to tell you, that is such a horrible place to be in. It is a horrible, horrible place to be in. I don't know about you, but I've had some conversations with people, again, where I called out serious issues in their life, and I began to tell them what the Bible says. Sometimes I get the response, I know what the Bible says. But I'd rather continue my life of sin. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. When we're putting ourselves above God or above the Word of God. When we get in a position of disregarding God, it is serious business. And there's a judgment day coming. There is a judgment day coming. Now, I know we've already gone over this particular scripture, but I want to point it out again because I want to end on a positive note, good news today. Remember I said at the beginning that it would be easy for the enemy to get you to a spot where you think there's no way I could possibly be forgiven because when you are in darkness... Whether or not you want to admit it or not, there's a dirty feeling. It's a dirty feeling. The longer you go, the easier it becomes to stay there. But you still feel dirty. You still feel worthless. And then your mind starts spinning, how could the Lord ever forgive me? How could the Lord ever forgive me? And the answer to that is because He loves you. Because He loves you so much. That he died for you. No, it wasn't a mistake that he died for you. He did it willingly. And he would do it again. He loves you that much. But here's here's the hard part, folks. There are so many people. They say they want to be forgiven. For the purpose of being able to say, I'm going to go to heaven. But they don't want any part of the holiness that comes with it. You can't have one without the other. Just like that song from years ago, you cannot have one without the other. And if you're pretending to, you're wrong. Hear me this morning. You can't claim to be a Christian and not desire to live a holy life. You can't. It's a question of whether or not God's blood covers you. If the blood of Jesus truly has covered you, guess what? He will cleanse you from all sin. He will forgive you from all sin. But perhaps the bigger question is, do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be forgiven? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to step from darkness into the light? You know, we were talking about... um, Standing last week, we're talking about walking this week, and I feel like it's sort of like 
a, a sermon that I did years ago where we were talking about getting out of the boat. And I remember making an analogy at that point that there are so many people, if out of the boat is where Jesus is, there are, there are so many people, they want one foot on Jesus and one foot still in the boat. And it's sort of like what we're talking about now. There's a lot of people that they believe they want to be forgiven. They believe they want Jesus. They believe they want to go to heaven. They're willing to take somewhat of a first step, but they're not willing to take the second one. They want one foot on Jesus and one foot in the world. And that is not how it works. That is not the will of Jesus for your life. He wants all of you. I wonder this morning, whether you're here in our congregation or whether you're watching online, I wonder, are there any of you this morning that need to step from the darkness into the light? And again, Jesus represents the light. He wants no part of darkness. I can promise you, if you will take that first step, He will meet you there. He will meet you there. He is willing to forgive you. He is waiting today to do that. I would love to pray with you. Brother Blake would love to pray with you and others. Maybe there's others of you that realize, hey, I need need to change some things in my life. You don't have to tell me what they are, but you do have to lay them at the feet of Jesus. You've got to be willing to do that. I wonder this morning, are you? Remember, the expectation is that we live a holy life. Nothing else will please God. And I want you to know this morning there's hope. There is hope. Jesus always desires to forgive. Do you desire that forgiveness this morning? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Father, I pray that you will use the words that I preached this morning to cause someone to desire a closer walk with you. Father, help our eyes to realize, help our hearts to understand what darkness truly is. Let us see the warning signs far off. And what I pray that we will have no desire to ever step into the darkness. Father, for the people today that are walking in darkness right this very minute, Father, I pray that you will cause your convicting power to fall on their hearts. Father, I pray that they will feel you knocking at their heart's door. And I pray that they will be willing to let you in. Father, I pray that you will do things this morning that only you can do. Father, I pray that we will experience your forgiveness. I pray that we will experience your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I pray, as I often do, that you and you alone will receive all honor, praise, and glory. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. 
In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.